0: All of this is wasted if we can't show impact or have an impact on others. All of us have a story to tell. It's about life. It's about me. About, about,
1: about,
0: about, about entrepreneurs coming together to say, I have a journey of my own. Life. That journey is not perfect, but. I want to see if there's things that I've learned that I can impart on other From the Lucha Podcast Network, this is the Mass Startup Podcast. The Mass Startup Podcast profiles the most talented creators, impactful entrepreneurs, and high-performing professionals with the purpose to drive insights, learnings, and tactics to help you build the things that you believe in.
1: My name is Vujani Tati, um, the, yeah, I wear so many hats, so let me start with the organization I represent. So I'm part of an organization called Startup Bootcamp Africa, which is a corporate-backed accelerator program with a pan-African view. So we, simplistically put, we bridge the gap between corporates as well as startups, yep. um, in the sense that for corporates, we saw startups that can solve a majority of their problems far quicker and more agile and for the startups uh, they, you know, after the whole uh, accelerates program they tend to have their, their first corporate clients uh, or anchor clients um, after the program so simplistically that's what we do um, and a part of that we also have a portfolio on uh, similar to the YC model where we take you know eight percent stake in every company that we accelerate yeah. uh, so I manage that portfolio as well as portfolio manager and also um working on raising a follow-on fund for our investments. Yeah. Um, which I guess we can elaborate on as to why. But simplistically put that's that's what I do and that's why I am. I'm think? a guy that wants to make a difference as, as that's much awesome. as he can, right? So, yeah. And obviously like
0: I think um I think accelerators, incubators and like um they have such an important part to play yeah. in how entrepreneurs and startups um, develop and grow. What do you think the role of Accelerators
1: is in South Africa or Africa as As a a region? Well, I mean, we can get technical, right? So if you look at the business lifecycle and at every stage, the kind of support that every founder or business needs Mm. um, to grow. So for like the ideation stage, um, you know, or your pre-seed, if you want to look at it from a funding lens, that's the ideation, that's where the incubators come in. That's where they refine the idea that you have um, to actually get you to sell your product. So their role is basically to get you your first income into the door. Mm. Right? That's the role of an incubator. The role of an accelerator is basically to take that idea, really synthesize it um, and aggressively um, get you to scale the ideas that work. right? So we really reassess your, you know, the assumptions that you made mm. at the incubation level We rigorously test them and then we apply experiments as quickly as possible Mm. to get you scaling to a particular point so that you actually find product market fit. Um, It gets a bit murky between, you know, uh, post acceleration and what we'll deem Series A. Um, But in my mind, uh, you know, an accelerator kind of gets you towards the seed stage and then you get what we would term a seed investor that would take you from the seed stage to Series A. And what does that mean, in my mind, is that's where you really try to find product market fit and really bed down the fundamentals that actually get your companies to grow so that when you get to the Series A level, you're actually just growing your business um, and really getting it to the point where it becomes mature. So in terms of accelerators, it's really bedding down your assumptions, getting it to a a point where you can actually start aggressively finding that product market fit Mm. because even after acceleration, you're still going to be pivoting. Um, because as you grow, you'll find that the subset of your customers that you're you're servicing either changes or different revenue branches actually exist. So you now need to start finding the one that grows fairly quickly before you can start scaling any other revenue streams. How does a startup,
0: you know, like and I think I want to go to very basic levels because I I do think that sometimes you know, especially in the VC world, like just startup world in general, we, we sort of talk over people with these terms. Yeah, um, How does 100%. How does an entrepreneur know that, you know, my startup is ready to be part of an accelerator versus, hey, maybe I should be in an incubator first to really ideate what I'm trying to do Yeah. and then try and figure that out first before I try and, like, get into these programs that are, you know, running experiments, trying to get me to a place where I can actually take on, you know, much bigger
1: funding yeah. rounds to be able to accelerate my growth. I think the more fundamental question is when should I actually be approaching investors yeah. <laughs> to actually fund <sign> my business? <laughs> right. um, I think that's the fundamental question. So, in my mind, it's, it's, it's kind of a tricky one because there's no fixed rule or fixed way in which a startup can actually grow, right? But there's certain key markers that you would know um, whether your business is ready for a certain type of funding versus it's not, right? Um, so. To, to, to put it back to the to, to the business user, uh, user journey or business cycle. Your idea, if you're just an idea phase, like, no one is going to fund that unless mm. you have your own savings, one, or two, you have real families that can actually fund you to a certain point, to a certain place, right? But for the most part, no one is going to fund an idea, right? So what I genuinely tend to advise a lot of people who are at that stage um, and something that I always say is that the biggest validator at that stage is actually making a first sale mm. so going to someone and actually getting them to either commit to buying having a customer exactly right? yeah or to actually sell you know actually getting cash in your bank account that is a great validator for your idea because it shows that okay this might not be the real target that i need but there's something there or a need that people are willing to pay for yeah right once you've got into that stage right you kind of then elaborating like cool but what assumptions that I actually make in order to get to actually develop that, that idea or that business or to sell to that customer. One, is it a problem that I face that I'm trying to solve or is it a problem that I think someone sees that I identify in whatever market or niche that I have mm. and me going out and testing that and actually selling it, actually proves or validates that, right? Then you can go to an accelerator program, right? Where they can either get you funding or you know, uh, you know, provide additional support to actually say, OK, you can't do an accelerator or even even if it's not an accelerator, an angel investor, mm. right, someone who has deep pockets and really understands the market that you that you're trying to get to, you go to them and be like, look, I've sold this to like ten people um, and either I need to build this product because I haven't built it, or I've built like a very generic, very basic <coughs> um, version of it, of it right. Mm. Um, can you guys help me scale it or make it better, right? And that's where ideally an angel investor would come in, or an accelerator program would be like, sure, you know, uh, that looks like there's something there, um, but there's a whole lot of layers that they come with answers. But I'm trying to be as generic as possible. So there's something there, and then accelerator will be like, cool, let's really assess whether or not you made the right kind of assumptions. Mm-hmm. You know, is this the market that you're really trying to target? Is it not? Maybe. You know, let's try this experiment. Maybe this is the customer you're trying to, to, to target. Did it work? Did it not work? What that didn't work about it? Oh, maybe tweak your product to say this rather than that. Does that work? You know what I mean? And then once you've gotten to the point where it becomes more repeatable and you're getting more customers, I think that's when you can start looking like, okay, do I need you know, seed funding to get it from this point to that point? Um, and that's where your seed funders come in uh, and then they will take it to A and further. I think that
0: Are there certain sense? sort of, of course you guys have these, right, but what do you guys look for first in a founder and then in a startup? Because you know, there's, there's that... That's a tricky one, right,
1: because yeah. uh, every program has their own requirements, right? Um, so for me, it's like what we look for because of how our accelerator program is structured, um, it kind of makes it difficult to answer that question directly because it's all based on the founder's needs. But every, you know, every accelerator program or incubator at the time will, will give their own criteria. So I think in answering that question, I can answer it from my lens and my experience. right? So in terms of a founder, what do I look for? Um, it's, it's a bit of a tough one as well, but I, one, the most important fundamental thing is, are you coachable? Um, mm. Do you take what I, what I say to you and how do you apply that? Or do you listen to what I say to you, right? And in the conversations that we have, I can easily pick up whether or not you're hearing what I'm saying mm. or you're not. Um, and my job is not to convince you otherwise. My job is to show you what I think is best, but mm. ultimately you as the founder know what is best, right? Um, so for me at this level, that's the most fundamental thing, because that's what's going to make or break the business at this stage. Everything else is secondary in terms of what vehicle to use, the kind of funding you need, all the kind of stuff into the business model, that's secondary. Mm. But are you coachable? Um, and can you, like, are you susceptible to taking the right kind of advice? Yeah. Right? That for me is number one. Number two, um, like how, like, you know, you, you really need to believe in this product for me to really fall in love with it. Mm. Um, like there's been a couple of times where I've fallen in love with the idea or the business or, you know, that, that the founder comes with. But I, couldn't, I could see that, you know, and as much as I like this, there's still something about the founder that just says they're not fully invested in it. Mm. And that's a major red flag. Do you feel like anyone. that's
0: that's conviction that you guys are looking for in that sense?
1: It could. Yeah, it definitely is conviction, right? Because I mean, this is startups are do or die kind of a yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing. Single <laughs> you can't be half in half out, right? Yeah. So you kind of have to fully be in it. Um, But more importantly even if it's not about the business like how how fully invested are you in the problem that you're trying to solve Mm. right because i truly believe that there's so many so many solutions to a particular problem but whether or not you truly believe in solving that problem will determine whether or not you'll find the right path, mm. right? Because you will always hit a stumbling block at this stage. But if you're not really passionate enough about the problem that you're trying to solve, you're not really gonna find the right ways to pivot. Mm. And because of that, then you know, your the startup is dead in the water.
0: And obviously like you need that energy to be able to 100%. pivot, um, figure out new opportunities for the business
1: figure out new ways to win and make sure that you don't die. And even at a point where you're like facing death, (laughs) right? Where it's like, death, this is like dying, but this is a problem that's just too big Mm. for me not to at least try it. It's kind of like, okay, cool, I can kill this, you know, branch of of solutions that I was trying. Mm. But what other solutions exist that I can try. And if you don't have that conviction and that passion, then you're not gonna want to solve that problem in any way, right? Um, and that's that's the biggest thing I yeah. think that I'm looking and, for. And
0: on, on the other side, like, what do you look for in a startup that really
1: like, you know, shows you that
0: you know there's something here in this idea and this concept that can really turn into a
1: you know game changing business or whatever. It is. Early stage for me, it's simply can this really solve the problem um, that you're that you're trying to solve, right? Um, we can always you know figure out the best way to you know develop the business plan or the business cycle or whatever the case might be. But can this actually solve the problem that you're trying to solve? Or does it have the potential to solve the problem that you're trying to solve Mm. rather? And two, are there people willing to buy? Because at the end of the day, it's about the business, right? So do you or do you not have customers? And if you don't have customers, what is the reason, right? Is it because the idea isn't really what they're looking for? Or is this a problem you think exists, but actually doesn't, right? Yeah. So I think those are the two Do you also things. look at the size of that market as well? It's like the, whether
0: or not there's a problem to solve, but like no. how many people are actually willing, but also the other end of that
1: is like, how many people are actually willing to pay for it? Right, right. Sure, right, but I don't know. I think I'm still growing in that journey where like, mm. you know, you can, you can make a certain assumption about the market in the beginning, But by the time you get to your C stage, you actually find that the market I was looking at earlier Mm. isn't really the market that I was trying to service. Yeah. Right? So, yes and no. Um, Yes in the sense that, you know, there kind of has to exist a market that's big enough to actually pay for that particular service. Mm. Um, And no in the sense that ultimately you'll find that that actually isn't the market you're trying to service. Yeah. And you'd only get to that right answer if you actually do something and actually go for it, right? So the you know the total addressable market, the serviceable market is important, but I personally don't place too much emphasis into it in the beginning, um, because that, that will change over time. Like yeah. it, it generally does change over time. It's very rare that you'll find someone who's like, yeah, this is the addressable market that I'm going for, and they actually go and they actually service that market. At that, you know, if I get one percent of this ten billion rand or ten billion dollar market, then I'm making like it really happens that way. Mm. Um, from my experience so yeah yes and no. Um, I think what's important is that is this a business that can grow and you know for me all the market tells me is whether there's a scalable amount mm. right yeah. um, because you actually see whether or not this is a problem that you either can grow and scale because it services a large number of people mm. or we'll just grow and plateau and actually become a small a small business a lucrative small business which yeah. is also okay.
0: And how do you, you know, if, if I'm an entrepreneur starting something like completely off the ground, yeah. I think I've found a problem, how do I know whether or not a market is big enough for me to go into, right? Like, is there something that I can only learn by starting the actual thing and like yes. testing it in the actual market and seeing whether people are
1: willing to pay for it and how yes. big this problem could be? Well, there's that. And to, I guess a more fundamental question is like, is this a big enough problem? Mm. that actually solves you know I think that's what I'm asking is like how do you know the problem is big enough is this well there's 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 certain ways to go about it right but for me it's like you look at your lived experience Mm. right and you look at your life there's there's a plethora of problems that we encounter every single day Mm. right and there'll there'll be times when you're just like stuck in traffic and you're thinking of something and you're like oh wait you know I want to do something or solve you know you know, like, or your biggest frustration, mm. uh, or your, your mother's biggest frustration could be something. And mm. I am like, wait, but how is this currently being solved? Mm. You know, and if it is being solved, you know, how many people does it actually affect? So my advice in terms of really, you know, answering that question is, is this, a program, is this a problem that's close enough to home for me to actually see whether or not there's a big enough market? Yeah. Right? But rather than trying to think of something clever, yeah, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's that's out there, or so far removed from you, mm. or so niche because it really affects a small subset of people. Yeah, um, that'll also somewhat guide you in terms of like, you know, uh, is this an actual big enough? Is there potentially big enough market to this? Right. So it's like, I don't know, uh, what's what's one of the biggest challenges you face? at guys, you know, like you know, youth unemployment or access to market or. Yeah. You know uh you know shop stores, you know, just trying to get a, a bigger market or whatever you know mm. um, that has a potential to be big because how many let's say welders I like your painters mm. you know are looking for work because right now the the way in which that is that is being done is by byini with boards or for the longest time, and it's like you know one person needs their house painted and they have five people to choose from. That's mm. the marketplace, right? Yeah. Um, is that really scalable? No, why? Because one, the markets, like how many people that cross that, you know, mm. that robot are actually needing their house painted? Mm. So it's like, you know, solving that access to market problem for that particular user mm. has the potential to be scalable if you can actually find the right balance to it. So, you know, is there a marketplace for painters to actually like paint more than just houses? Or whatever mm-hmm. um, you know something like that right uh at a high level it seems like cool you know there's how many painters in my there's how many i'm a you know, across mm-hmm. the country that looks like a scalable kind of business mm-hmm. but whether or not the client will actually pay for that is a different subset of questions but we're just speaking the ideas uh, at this point in time so is it something that's close to home that you can understand or is it something that you know is so far removed that it's actually a very small problem that you, you think is and big. And you just don't you.
0: have the empathy to understand those problems 100%. if
1: they're not like close enough to you. 100%. And I think that's the biggest mistake most people make is that they assume that their biggest pain point, because it's so frustrating to them, everyone must be experiencing that problem. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that it, doesn't really work that way. Where it's like sometimes, you know, looking at you know your family members and you know, trying to solve your family members' problems can actually be more lucrative. It's not sexy because it's not really you know your tech savvy blah 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 kind of business um, but that can actually be a lucrative business in itself that people just like completely underestimate um, the value of solving that problem. So just like
0: going into the work that you've done with you know Startup Bootcamp you know how do you assess last year's insane year in terms of startup funding and know the massive opportunities that a lot of those founders had to you know take on a lot of capital and be able to like you know you're seeing startups from nigeria coming to south africa and like some from south africa even going to nigeria yeah um what do you think about just this
1: boom that's happening Uh, like i That's like there's so much murkiness and and what's happening right now right where it's like a lot of the funding is so skewed and a lot of the the publications of that is also skewed Mm. um, to the point that, you know, not to say that, you know, capital coming into the the market isn't a great thing, but what it tends to create is this misconception that I can just come up with, you know, this kind of tech solution and I'll easily get back, which is a massive misconception because the funding is skewed mainly towards like, you could say fairly more established players in the ecosystem, mm. um, and a large majority of those are in Nigeria. And there's a, you know, a plethora of reasons why why that happens. Mm. Um, the true reality and the landscape of funding in the ecosystem, you know, that story really isn't told. Yeah. Right. Where out of the number of startups that we see coming through the system, like very few get to the point where they can raise those kind of uh, that kind of capital and that kind of funds. Mm. Uh, most importantly, there's such a huge funding gap between what I'll call the seed stage, which is, um, you know, like I said earlier, the product market fit kind of role mm. to Series A, right? And of course, those definitions, you know, change like, depending on where you are in the world. Like a Series A in the United States is not gonna be the same as in America, yeah. I and it's not gonna be the same as in Asia versus Africa. And what you're finding is that series A checks on the continent are still very small compared to the most established, more established uh, ecosystems. Yeah. Um, and the number of businesses again that are getting those kind of funding runs and funding capital are also small. I mean, you know your Flutterwaves, waves, your MFS Africas, your mm. waves, you know your pay of this world are like but five or so companies that are getting the massive checks, whereas you know a large pool of those you know other startups just aren't getting it mm. um, and i think when people actually dig deeper and actually find that you know not all startups are made equal the better right so it's it's great on the one hand but the kind of funding that's coming in is actually not really solving the problem so it gives a warp sense around success in the ecosystem correct where this is actually happening for the few and not so yeah. much you know the many to the, to the extent where you can say like it's a subset of a subset that actually get the maturity of the fund. Yeah. Like right now, fintech is the, the hottest yeah. uh, you know, side of, of the ecosystem right now, to the point that you know, within our applications now, you know, everyone is basically trying to position themselves as a fintech. Yeah. <laughs> to try and get that finish, Yeah. right? Whether that whether business has any business in being classified as a Fintech or not, they try to position themselves as that. Because that's where the money's going. Because that's where the narrative is, right? So mm. It's like, the money is going to a Fintech, so yes, you know, I need to position myself somehow as a Fintech in order to, to be able to get that, yeah. that capital. Are there any non-obvious
0: industries where you feel like the growth is actually happening? I've seen like a lot of stuff in health tech and like some
1: stuff in agri-tech i wouldn't say so non-obvious like i guess it depends on how you look at it for me it's obvious but i guess mm. you look at what's happening in the ecosystem it's actually not non-obvious but yes like you said health tech is a massive one um i call it the big five so fintech tech is obvious you need to be in there health tech is another one that's mm. that's ripe for growth that people are just not seeing agri-tech is another one that people are seeing but it's still dominated by a lot of your development funds mm. rather than VCs, um, which is a whole different dynamic because they have different outcomes yeah. rather than a VC would have, right? So you'll find that it's, it's mainly grant funding or impact investing where their measures aren't really commercial success, but mm. impact, which is great in a way, but also not great in others, right? Because it doesn't necessarily um, motivate founders to actually grow, they offer it. Yeah. Right. right. Um, but again, like I said, it's right in another way. Um, logistics mm. um, is massive, um, very, very underfunded, um, as well as, did I mention EdTech? Um, so your EdTech space. Um, but one that's not necessarily you would argue VC, but has a massive you know, potential to make serious returns is infrastructure. Right? Mm. The amount of infrastructure that's needed on the continent is, is mind-blowing and it still sits within the realms of your PE, uh, mm. development finance kind of institutions um, and again there's a lot of potential. If we can find the right kind of model that also kind of helps scale um, and grow the, the kind of infrastructure that's needed. When you look at like industries like agri-tech, edtech and health tech. Yeah much
0: less sexy, like much less appealing from like... um, Well, I mean, it's the tech part that makes it sexy, right? (laughs) 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 But I feel like, you know, fintechs are rock stars, right? Like these guys genuinely seem like the signing stars of the ecosystem. But I look at like health tech, ed tech and, and agri tech as being like fundamental yeah. ecosystem shifting things, right? Like, if you Not can build something really like, amazing. Like direct impact into people's yeah. lives. Right? Especially on the continent. Yeah. Right. What do you think those startups need to be doing to really start to eat into what's happening with fintech from a, from a
1: funding allocation standpoint? That's, that's a very loaded question, <laughs> right? Because a lot of these things, like funding tends to follow success, all right? So the reason fintech is like hot right now is because there's way more companies being successful in this field. Um, so you're finding a lot of fun. Like it's like it's a classic chicken and egg situation. Yeah. It's like I need to be successful, but in order to be successful and scale, I need some sort of funding and financing to get there. Um, so I guess like, the simplistic yet not easy answer is grow. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. no other way around it is to grow. Um, and that just means being you know, and as much as people hate Nigerians for it, but they're willing to get dirty and grimy and grimy mm. just to make sure that this thing succeeds. And I think founders in that space just need to find a way to be like, look, with or without the capital, you know, I need to actually grow and show growth that is equivalent or even more so than, than your fintechs, yeah. right? That's gonna start showing investors, especially in later stages, that actually there is a market share and there's a you know, potential to grow, right? That's mm-hmm. one. Um, two, I think it's, 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 it's a more sad or, you know, what we spoke about earlier, is really finding a seed investor or even an investor that really understands your particular problem set mm. that can really provide you the right kind of support. Um, I think the biggest gap besides funding that's needed in this ecosystem is the right kind of founder support um, to actually help these guys grow. Because sometimes it's not even about the capital. It's purely just finding the right partnerships, finding the right access to market, you know? actually again, advising them on the right strategy that they need to use. And all of that stuff doesn't need capital. It's just mm-hmm. sitting down with the dude and be like, hey, did you consider doing this? Maybe try this, You know, it doesn't cost you much. Oh, you need to grow this platform. Oh, I know this tech guy that has capacity that can help you build your stack oh, I know someone that can actually review your stack and actually see if they can make it robust. Mm. Those are the kind of things that actually help scale businesses and not necessarily find funding, right? Um, like, it's, it's, it's a similar, like it's the classic trope. You know, funding follows success mm. and you just need to success in order to get that funding, period. But yeah. more so, the biggest source of funding that you'll ever get is sales. Just grow your sales. Grow your sales and everything else will follow.
0: Yeah. And you know, we've spoken about Nigeria a lot, yeah. you know, um, just the founders and the startups that are coming out of there. Yeah. What are the other three markets that you feel like, you know, are not so you know, aren't getting as much attention, but actually should be?
1: Um, I mean Kenya is absolutely growing now and no, I think they it's have getting their way... attention. No.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: not letting you get away with that. No, no, no. <laughs> like, Kenya's growing, no. That's why i right? Like, Kenya is really getting that. Um, but they're not, you know, like, I mean, they're not where, you know, SA and Nigeria are, but they mm. are, like, in the next couple of years, citrus Parapus and the way things are going, they will leapfrog South Africa fairly mm. quickly. Um, fine. If it's not Kenya, um, yeah, Arab regions. So, like, your Morocco Tunisia, Egypt. Mm. Um, those are definitely growing uh, fairly well. Um, even in the east, right? Like countries like your Ethiopia, Rwanda, Uganda, mm. massive, massive uh, growth in terms of your 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 ecosystem growth and, and founders coming out of those. Yeah. Um, seeing a lot of growth there, and obviously the Faculty-front nations. So you know, excluding Nigeria, you've got Senegal, Ghana, mm. Cote d'Ivoire, Cameroon um doing amazing things right where they're growing actually quite quite exponentially i mean senegal is going to be second to nigeria i think the next big hub in terms of uh, founder growth and founder uh you know in terms of ecosystem growth in terms of you know the waste effectively so yeah um i would say the francophone nations morocco tunisia um uganda morocco and ethiopia is there
0: startups that you've seen in you know the work that you guys have done over the like, last few years that you look at and you're like, oh, that's a company that's probably going to do incredible things in the next 10 years. Um, if you can't say their name, obviously, then, you no, know, it's okay. But
1: just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, You don't want to compete for checks. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't, right? But... A clear example in answering your, your, your non-obvious one, right? Like uh, a company that we're excited about, disclaimer, we are invested in it because they went through our program. is yeah. a company out of Senegal called jobante Express. Um, so they basically do deliveries. So you could say, you know, your courier last mile delivery, um, uh, you know, using your, your... Like what excites me about it is that it uses the classic... Solution that existed already Mm. within its users, right? So for example, I need to send a parcel from here in Cape Town back home to uh, You know Tannin uh, in the north Mm. and generally if I'm not going to be using your courier systems All I then do is just go to a bus stop look for someone who's going to Tanin, give them the package Give them their call drink and be like when you get to Tanin, please call this number and you'll have someone Yes, that's you know so what they've done is They've effectively used that model, but like fleshed it out some more. So what they've done is they've built relay points um, across major travel routes that you know, most people travel. Um, and all you need to do as a person, right, so in order to make extra bucks, I just pick up this parcel and all I need to be going is in the general direction mm. that this parcel needs to be going. So that I don't have to be going to Tanin. So I can be like, cool, I'm going from here to Tanin, but my bus is leaving from here and um, my stop is in Bloemfontein. Mm-hmm. And then Yobante has relay points at all these different major cities. So I would drop off this package at Bloemfontein and then someone who is from Bloemfontein going to Pretoria, for example, will then pick up the package from there, mm-hmm. uh, drop it off at a relay point in, in Pretoria and so on and so forth until it gets to, to Zanin. And what they found is where what DHL and your FedEx, one of them, would take three days just to take parcels from, uh, you know, uh, you know, remote areas or areas that they they struggle to find, Mm. they literally reduce that time from three days of delivering a package to a day. Sure. Right. At a fraction of the cost. Mm. Right. And that model has scaled across the continent. So now, I mean, they've piloted in South Africa when they were in um, the program. So they're now operating in South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe. Um, They're operating in Nigeria, uh, Côte d'Ivoire, Ghana. Um, and they're about to expand now. Mm. Uh, going, you know, later, you know, uh, later on in the year, uh, you know, they're about to announce their next round. Can't get into details around that, but that is for us in my mind. It's going to mm. be like they're on path to become a unicorn, and they're not a fintech. Um, so that's one. Um, who is one that we're not invested in? That. I would say is exciting it's a good thing you're being very fair right now <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're gonna give someone a plug and be like oh no that's a great investment
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, I mean there's a couple of startups I guess that I'm that I'm working with so I don't know if it's, it's, it's biased it's okay <laughs> all right um, it's a it's a it's a hardware smartphone startup for Quilly they're based out of out of Cape Town mm. so I've been excited about them mm. ever since um, so they basically have a smartphone it you know, runs on Android um, that they sell at cost. So it's basically a loss leader. Mm. But their unique selling proposition, which I'm excited about, which goes back to you know getting people that really understand the problem that you're trying to mm-hmm. solve, comes into play. and I'll get into the reasons why later. But what their unique selling proposition is, they've basically developed software that basically teaches people how to use their smartphones better. Yeah. All right. So their target market is basically the target market that we know so people that currently use feature phones mm. one that don't have smartphones um so to 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 break that barrier they literally sell their smartphone at well, 500 and 600 grand at most um and two uh people that have smartphones but are not optimally using it but, so they use it for three basic things phone call sms whatsapp and that's it, Mm. right? And they're not using all other functionality within their smartphone. And going back to the idea one, you can just see the vast user base that they can actually, and the potential market that they can have, right? And that's scalable. Um, So that's what they do. Um, They've been like phenomenally successful, but the barrier uh, that, that inhibits their growth is the fact that you know the people that they went to to try and raise capital mm. uh, they just don't get it and they find it very difficult to actually see beyond that right and all they see is just that oh this is a hardware play. And I was like, but it's not a hardware play, mm. right there's there's so much more to this and once you crack that which is what they're trying to do um, and the growth potential on the software side and the services that you can actually start selling to that particular market is mm. endless If you can't see that, then because it goes into like digital
0: literacy, it goes into like accessibility,
1: literally access. So much more than just do you know what I mean? Where it's like you, you, you've now solved the most, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, massive problem that a lot of corporates are struggling to get into, which is Mm. access to market and distribution to sell products to a market that they completely don't understand. And I'm excited, really, because the numbers that they have and the way in which their software has been retained and the use of their software mm. um, is just so phenomenal. For me, it shows me that they understand the market mm. and they effectively know how to scale within that market and sell that particular product. People that don't get it for me disappoint me, but with the way in which the ecosystem, and, <laughs> you, know, yeah. the, you know, our current country is set up, it's, it's also quite sad. Um, but anyway, like, their growth, for me, has been exciting in the sense that they wanted—they're they just one wanted of those unique businesses where it's literally the market is pulling them mm. to solve their problem. And mm. there's very few businesses that can actually get customers to actually stop pulling you to actually do who want your product and you wanted yeah. yesterday. Um, so they're exciting. They are out of South Africa. Might um, stop you there. It's fine. Two is fine. <laughs> no, I mean because I mean, we could be old. all day. There's, there's. I mean. <laughs> There's different trends, right? So there's a lot of yeah, agri, agri kind of startups that you're finding coming out of Nigeria, out of the East, um, which kind of makes sense because a lot of the yeah. economy is based on like a lot of agricultural kind of, kind of products. There's a lot of, you look at the, the Arab region side of it, the North, the North Africa region, a lot of it is a very smart city, mm-hmm. very IoT, um, waste managed, a lot of waste management tools are coming out of that region. Um, so I guess it also it's, it's very region specific. What would you say is South Africa's like uh, big focuses? Ah, dude, that that requires a whole new podcast in
0: itself. <laughs> um, but, but I don't want to get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, just like ah, it's checking mess. a mess. It's a, mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's a complete
1: mess. Um, no, to the check. reason I say that right is yeah. because founders in the ecosystem are solving certain things, yet investors or VCs. Quote, VCs, Would you say there's a misalignment between the founders and the investors? Inside complete, Africa? Yeah. complete misalignment and there's various reasons for that. Right, For example, the reason why Quili is not getting invested or financed in any way by local VCs is because of the makeup of local VCs tend to be the lighter complexion of ours. Yeah. Right? So a large majority of them don't see what you and I see when we look at Quili. Yeah. Right? They just see this is not a big enough problem. I don't get it. So I'm not going to be putting my money in something I don't get. What you find is that because of that, there's a large subset of founders, particularly black founders, I'm going to be blunt about it, that just don't get funded because their problems aren't seen as problems that are one scalable or big enough problems because people that are looking to invest in it just don't get those particular kind of problems. And what tends to happen is that if you as a founder, especially a black founder, aren't playing the same game as your white counterparts, you're not even going to get looked at, Yeah. one. Or two, if your startup doesn't have a white face attached to it somehow, you're also not going to get the benefit of the doubt. That's just the dynamics of the industry. Yeah. So that's just that misalignment. And what you find is that a lot of VCs tend to fund or finance companies that can be sold far easier or exited far easier. Mm. And what does that mean? It means it starts solving problems that are not necessarily africa focused Mm. or black focused but more developed market focused if that makes sense yeah right um and that's where the misalignment comes in if that makes sense and because as a black founder i'm going to develop a product for america have i ever been to america no not doing fullim lazy all i know is it angry or whatever you know
0: it's so difficult to even like go through this because you know that there's deep problems that these people are looking at and going, Hey, I can fix something here. Hundred percent. And I can fix something for a majority of South Africans even possibly, right? Like oh, Africans, because what, that's the people. Even of African evidence. actually.
1: Ultimately the answer to that, right, is that there is a fundamental gap between funders and founders in the country.
0: Do you think it's a misalignment of perspectives? Um, understanding what the actual problems are and if people really understand you know what the problems are on the ground versus you know, I live a sheltered life you know very different from the average South African or even the average African, yeah. so therefore it's hard for me to contextualize the problems that certain founders are trying to f-
1: to solve for mm-hmm. it's 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 muddier than like it's exactly what you're saying. And there's a maraud of reasons as to why that is the case, right? One, our historical past is a major factor. Um, But two, uh, to put on my investor hat and ally (laughs) hat on here, is the way in which the structure of raising a fund is structured is also one that is not conducive to actually like being more open-minded in the kind of founders that you actually invest in. What do I mean by that? The current structure that investors have to to work with is what you call an LPGP structure your limited partner general partner structure what does that mean it means that a general partner or your investor in this case will go and raise funding um, from their investors who will be known as limited partners and they go to those investors with a mandate right? and that mandate is the investment hypothesis you know could be as easy as you know we invest in fintech startups that are Series A and we're looking to get 10x our money uh, with an exit, be it Series B, Series C, RPO, whatever, right? We want to get 10x our money. So now you go and you invest in that thesis. That limits you in the kind of startups that you can actually invest in, right? The pool of like becomes way smaller because now it has to be FinTech that is Series A and has potential to get 10x. We go to the fund, now they have that mandate now they go to the ecosystem looking for founders. I can pose this question to you. How many founders do you know that exist in South Africa alone that fit that criteria? All right. Take it a level like, deeper. How many black founders exist in the ecosystem that meet that criteria? Little to none, right? Because like, how many black founders are thinking of you know, fintechs? You know, what does that even mean? No one knows, right? Which is kind of ironic because some of the solutions that they can solve for people on the ground can't actually be fintechs, but because they don't define it or or call it a fintech, you know, they just call it a business of whatever. I'm <clears throat> helping stock files save and you know giving them the ability to transact and source groceries from Macro, for example, using my platform. Right? That has an element of being fintech on it. Why? Because you're. You're pooling capital, you're taking people's money, you're processing transactions, you're doing all of that kind of stuff. But because it's not in the in the in the casing as sexy as I'm a fintech for the small LSM user, they tend to get overlooked. All right. Even though I can tell you in boardrooms in Standard Bank or any other bank for that for that matter, are trying to get into that market. But a blackface will never be given the benefit of the doubt to get invested. So it's 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 a whole lot of layers where historical past plays uh, a major part into it, as well as the LPGP structure that plays a part into it, that really limits the kind of investments that people make, which is sad, right? Because again, a large pool of very capable founders get left out of the mix and into the cold, uh, purely because they just don't fit a particular kind of world. And
0: what does it look like to try and like correct something like that? Do we just need more funds with the type of people that understand the context? Or is it a case of really educating people out of their biases and really getting them to understand that the world is so much more than just, you know, this specific type of entrepreneur, this specific type of startup. There's so much more to the world. And I think like a lot gets lost in like things that could really fundamentally change countries, continents, the world. Are being you know passed on mainly because they just don 't fit someone 's you know, idea of what the ideal founder or startup actually
1: is' it 's a tough one right I mean trying to change people 's perceptions in this country has like become futile right? to just look at everything that happens and just the way in which the economy is structured that just shows that people are just not willing to really change their perception, um, but in my mind and in my view. Mm-hmm. Yes, capital is needed um, and the right kind of capital is needed. And for me, the only way you can really make the change is literally getting people who have the capital to really start backing themselves using their own balance sheets, right? So literally investing outside of the traditional, quote-unquote, LPGP structure, right? If I had those funds, I'd be doing that yesterday, (laughs) all right? Because... No one. because I am that person that is uniquely positioned to really, uh, you know, solve those kind of problems, going to someone, um, one, in an environment like South Africa where a lot of our investors are so risk averse, I can show you the numbers and show you the growth parts, but no one is going to give me their money because they just, they just want sure things, right? Or, again, you need a white face attached to it in order to be given the benefit of the doubt that this is even feasible you know, let alone doable. And I try to take that to, you know, international markets where they understand and they see the value, but they're still not willing to take the chance on a black face or, you know, in a particular market, not because you're black, but because they just don't understand it, all right? And it's hard to really educate someone. Like you can bring them down and like try to show them or whatever, but they can only get you so far. And if you can't bring them down, then it's, it's pointless. Like. I, and we're going to pay a business class ticket for a family office to come down. First of all, I don't have capital to get me to America, first of all. Now, how am I going to convince a family office to come down and actually see it on the ground? So it's very difficult to really say that. But if there are any high net worth individuals, black individuals, that can actually you know, invest, like I would say take that chance, right? Um, forget the cushy life that you have. Like, no one is say bet your whole house onto this thing, all right? Um, okay. But take a portion of your net worth and really start investing in these guys. Because what, what more black founders need in this ecosystem is just to be given a chance. And what I mean by that is like given a chance to actually start something, but also being given the chance to fail, right? But well, I find that the margin of error for black founders to fail is so narrow compared to all the other founders that can get the benefit of the doubt, right? You can, like, you see it every time, you get so many white, serial founders um, that exist you know, in the ecosystem, and not as many black serial founders, right? Uh, for you to be a serial founder as a black person, your first business needed to have been a, a killer success. So there's so many structural things that need that need to be solved. And sometimes it doesn't even require capital, right? It just requires you giving your time and your expertise, and really opening your network up to these guys. Um, that would really make the difference in moving the needle, which is what I've done, where it's like, I know I'm constrained with capital. I don't have capital to invest in these guys. And rather than folding my arms and be like, yo, well, I don't have anything, it's like but I work in this space, you know, I know what it takes to to, to actually grow and scale. So what can I give? I give my time, you know. Um, when the founder calls and like where you guys had, oh, maybe tried this, maybe try that. Oh, let me put you in touch with this person, see if that works, right? And if it works, great. You know, um, that for me actually moves the needle far more than capital And I think that's where we need to start.
0: I hope this is a really great start for someone else, right? Like, they listen to this and try and, like, affect change in the ecosystem. I really
1: hope this helps them in some way. Thank you so much, man. Uh no, anytime. You know, finally made it onto the podcast. I can <laughs> cross that off my bucket list. <laughs>
0: access previous episodes of this podcast but also again access to other shows on our network please visit lucha.com